Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are the one who shows up consistently, tenderly, beautifully. You show up for us and the world that you love, clearly in the infant child born to save, and now also by your Spirit through the Word, the Bible, the Scriptures. So as we open them, Lord, would you show up again? Meet us where we are, and all of us are coming from a different place today. Meet us where we are, and then take us to the place you want us to go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've been reading a book this Advent season. It's creatively titled Advent. Uh, written by a a well-regarded American preacher named Fleming Rutledge. In the book, there's a chapter titled, Advent Begins in the Dark. I like that. A little ominous, maybe, uh, but I like it. Advent Begins in the Dark. And then in the chapter, she writes, The hopeful Christmas spirit does not look away from the darkness. Advent invites us to peer into the darkness. It asks us to peer into the pain. Not to wallow there, not to stay there, but to be honest there, on the way to hope. We'll get back to that. I just wanted to prepare you. That's where we're heading. Uh, This is the last Sunday of the semester in which Primarily, Hope College students will be worshiping with us en masse. Tomorrow or this week, exams are held. The Lord be with you. But then when they're done, Christmas break begins. Can I get a witness? (laughs) A few people happy about that. Uh, And because they're so important to our life and such a gift to our community, I thought I'd ask a couple of representatives. Hope College, or you represent Hope College now. Uh, This is Livy. Uh, and this is Jojo. Livy is a sophomore at Hope. She is a wildlife, young life leader, which means she hangs out with middle school students, two of whom happen to belong to me on Monday nights, so thank you. Uh, and this is Jojo. Jojo's a junior. She is a nursing major. She is the extremely recently hired receptionist and extremely part-time at Pillar. Isn't that awesome? So when you call, it's possible that JoJo will be the one you talk to. Uh, I've asked them to help us set our hearts towards Advent. Uh, Livy's going to read for you from this book I've been mentioning by Fleming Rutledge titled Advent. Uh, And then JoJo's going to read for us from a German theologian named Jürgen Moltmann in a book titled Theology of Hope. Uh, First, Livy and Fleming Rutledge. In a very real sense, the Christian community is an advent all the time. It can well be called the time between, because the people of God live in the time between the first coming of Christ, incognito in the stable of Bethlehem, and his, in his second coming, in glory to judge the living and the dead. Advent contains within itself the crucial balance of the now and not yet that our faith requires. Did you catch that? Advent contains in itself the crucial balance of the now and not yet. And we know this. 
We live this now, but not yet. Jojo from Moltmann. Hope is the inseparable companion of faith. Faith believes God to be true. Hope awaits the time when this truth shall be manifested. Faith believes that he is our father. Hope anticipates that he will ever show himself to be a father toward us. Faith believes that eternal life has been given to us. Hope anticipates that it will sometime be revealed. Faith is a foundation upon which hope rests. Hope nourishes and sustains faith. In the Christian life, faith is a priority, but hope is the primacy. Mm, great job. Can we thank them? Okay, perfect. Way to go. Did you catch that last line that Jojo offered? Uh, in Christianity, faith has the priority. Hope has the primacy. Uh, hope is the strength of faith's heart. Hope is the gas in faith's engine. Hope is the electrical current of faith's power. Hope. The hopeful Christmas spirit does not look away from the darkness. Hope, can you imagine? When all of your concerns and questions for your kids are answered with a resounding, all is well, hope. Can you imagine? When the, when the burden crushing you beneath its weight, personally and pressing on us collectively, is lifted, taken, removed, done with, and you can stand up again, you can breathe again, hope. Can you imagine? The hopeful Christmas spirit does not look away from the darkness. So listen with me to a portion of the prophecy of Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you've broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire for a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he's named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Uh, Isaiah's vision, that vision of Isaiah is 700 years before Jesus. But he's so excited. He can't wait. He lets the secret out. A child has been born for us. A son given to us. 
the announcement of the infant child born in the Bethlehem town to save the world is offered in the dark. Those who walked in darkness, Isaiah begins, who live in the land of deep darkness, Isaiah acknowledges. Darkness. You just kind of got to be honest about it. Darkness in our own lives, darkness that swirls around our lives, the darkness of the world. Nearly every page of the Bible, if you were to open it, would make reference to uh, define the darkness. And Isaiah joins the gang, the people who walked in darkness, those who lived in a land of deep darkness. The kind of darkness Isaiah has in mind really took three forms. Uh, First of all, there was the self-reliance in the people of God. They were doing just fine. They were doing quite well, actually. It was okay. If you asked them in the narthex after the service, how's it going? They would all say, live in the dream. But Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness. You've heard the saying, there's no atheists in a foxhole. I wonder if the opposite is true. There's no faith when it's fine. John Wesley once said, I fear wherever riches increase, there the essence of true religion decreases in the same proportion. The people who walk in darkness. But don't worry, I'm talking about ancient Israel here. This is not a critique on our lives, our world. We're doing just fine. Really? So there was the self-reliance. There was also a kind of idolatry. In order to be doing just fine, they had to ally themselves with foreign countries with all of their resources, and it ended up working out pretty well for them. They were doing just fine, but in order to borrow the resources, they also had to borrow their gods. It's not so much that they were were renouncing the God of Israel. It's just that they were kind of, you know, like sharing a little bit, doing the best they could, really, to kind of keep the peace. And Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness... But again, I'm talking about ancient Israel. I am not critiquing anyone here who would never possibly rely on another authority or another power to make it through a day. We're doing just fine. Self-reliance, idolatry, and then inequity. It's not so much that some had more and others had less. It's that some had and others didn't. And they were utterly oblivious to the pain-filled, sad-hearted realities of so many in the world. They were doing just fine. And Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness. But that would never happen here. That would never be our context. The people who walked in darkness. Those who live in a land of deep darkness. How many shootings was it this week? And the Guatemalan boy left for dead. And the Indian woman who was murdered. And the reports from Nigeria of intense torture for anyone who announces faith in Christ. And do you even want me to get into the conversation around our national scene? The people who walked in darkness, who lived in a land of deep darkness. 
if you think I'm just being overly grouchy, uh, I'm not the only one. Now, this is from a theologian, Dante Stewart, an African-American brother who graduated from Reformed Theological Seminary. He wrote in an Advent devotional, Advent shakes us out of our illusion that all is right in the world. This season holds in tension the good news of divine deliverance, but also the badness of human darkness. It never quite lets us hold on to our triumphalism. And then Martin Luther King Jr. uh, in a book titled Strength to Love and a chapter titled The Knock at Midnight. It's midnight within the social order. On the international horizon, nations are engaged in a colossal and bitter contest for supremacy. Two world wars have been fought within a generation and the clouds of another war are dangerously low. It's midnight within the psychological order. Everywhere, paralyzing fears harrow people by day and haunt them by night. It's also midnight within the moral order. Moral principles have lost their distinctiveness. Absolute right and wrong are a matter of what the majority is doing. Right and wrong are relative to likes and dislikes. He wrote that 60 years ago. It could have been written yesterday. The people who walk in darkness, who live in a land of deep darkness. The hopeful Christmas spirit does not look away from the darkness. But it doesn't stay there. It doesn't wallow there. It looks at the darkness for the sake of hope. Don't lose hope. Don't forget hope. Live in hope. Hope gets us up in the morning and out of bed. Hope gets us off to work for something more than the bottom line. Hope keeps us on our knees in prayer to the spirit that something might happen far greater than we could ask or imagine. Hope. The people who walked in darkness, Isaiah acknowledges, have seen a great light, he shouts. Those who live in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. It's actually kind of confusing. I don't know if you picked up on this. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7, he's offering a vision of what will be. He's announcing a dream, so to speak. But he speaks as if it's already happened. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. It's as if Isaiah's heart and vision for what will be is breaking in now. Hope is not just sitting back waiting until one day it'll be better. Bide your time. You'll probably die, but eventually it'll be okay. Hope says no. Hope says here. Hope says now. Hope says wake up. Sometimes the Bible writers, the prophets of the Old Testament or the the writers of the New Testament speak in the future tense, like in the book of Revelation, death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And we all slap fives and chest bump and we're so excited, it's all going to be okay. But not Isaiah. Isaiah says, they have seen a great light. On them, light has shined. There's two tenses, probably more than that, but two that I'm working with today in, in, in Hebrew, The the heart language of the Old Testament, there's the perfect tense and the imperfect tense. Imperfect is ongoing action. It's not complete yet. The perfect tense is it's already done. It's finished. Which of the two, since now you're Hebrew scholars, which of the two do you think Isaiah is borrowing? It's ongoing action or it's already done? Perfect. It's already done. Isaiah is announcing a dream that's already happened, a reality that's already taking place. And the one who holds in himself the distance between the darkness we know and the future that breaks in is the infant child. 
The little one born to save, Isaiah shouts, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He holds in himself the hope of all eternity and offers it here, offers it now. The infant child who took on the darkness of the womb and burst forth the light of the world. The infant child who took on death and the grave and came up in resurrection, offering light and life to any and all who believe. Can you imagine a world where people listen and care deeply and make space for one another? For to us a child is born. Can you imagine a town that doesn't go the predictable ways of segregating and its stereotypes between race and gender? A child has been born for us. Can you imagine a home where kids have all the food they need and and spouses are tender with one another and neighbors are welcome? A child has been born for us. Not just the announcement, it'll all be okay one day, but rather breaks in now, invites us to participate here. Uh, Jürgen Moltmann again, in that book, Theology of Hope. Faith, whenever it develops into hope, causes not rest but unrest, not patience but impatience. It does not calm the unquiet heart, but is itself the unquiet heart in humanity. Those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is, but begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world, for the goad of the promised future stabs inexorably into the flesh of every unfulfilled present. I have no idea what that means, but I think it means get in on it. Participate. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, so get after it, Christ followers. Get on with it in the world. Hope is not sitting back waiting, but getting after it now, getting after it here. Getting after it today, that's hope. I don't often get to listen to sermons. I mean, I can podcast them all I want, uh, but, you know, like in person. Uh, So when my friend Andy Bast was asked to preach at Western Seminary in one of their morning chapels a few weeks ago, I thought to myself, well, I'll go. So I went. Uh, Andy was asked to preach was given the passage from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that great scene in the book of Revelation. It's probably my favorite scene in all all the Bible, if you can have a favorite scene in the Bible. Uh, And and it contains my favorite verse. Anybody know what my favorite Bible verse is? 21.5, I say it every Sunday. Behold, I am making all things new. And Andy had the opportunity to preach from that very passage. Revelation... It it, it exists in hope. Revelation exists for hope. Uh, Andy started the sermon uh, by talking about his daughter, Maggie. Uh, Maggie's 13. Uh, She loves to read. Uh, She's always been a reader. Uh, When she was a little girl, they would read to her, and then when she started able to read for herself, uh, you know, they'd buy her those books with the box and the figurines and the map. You know these books? Don't you all read to your families? What's... This is sad. And then, then the boxed books became chapter books, and the chapter books became bigger books, and now even actually she's kind of on to some of the classic books. In all of her reading, she developed a particular habit. 
she would read the last chapter out of sequence. Which, when reading the Harry Potter series, did not go well with her friends, apparently. She, read the, she would read the last chapter of each book so that she could make it through. She wanted to know it was going to be okay. It's going to end all right. She, Andy said in the sermon, she was, a, she was a tender child. She needed to know it was going to be okay in order to have the courage to make it through. To make it through the hard parts, the dark parts, the sad parts, the parts where there's loss and pain and confusion. She'd read the last chapter first to know that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who live in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined, for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Hope. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.